Welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I am your host, Ryan Hartley. This podcast is for heart-centered leaders just like you. I hope our time spent together helps you leave a heart print where those around you are left better than yesterday. These interview sessions are sponsored by our great friends at Elevate Online Marketing. On episode 209, I welcome back to the podcast a self-love expert, Gina Swire. Gina joined us on episode 56 back in September 2019. Since then, she's gone on to release her best-selling book, P.S. I Love Me. Gina is an internationally acclaimed self-love expert, and she's celebrated for her humorous and transformative speaking style and wildly popular self-love courses. She loves nothing more than empowering women with self-love so they can manifest their deepest desires and create a life of their dreams. Her first book, P.S. I Love Me, 12 Steps for a Self-Love Transformation. It shot straight to the top of the bestseller charts. She's also the host of five-star rated podcast, P.S. I Love Me, and releases new episodes every Wednesday. I'm really looking forward to you hearing this great conversation, episode 209 with Gina Swire. As you've come to know, as you've come to expect from the, these interview sessions, there's nothing surface level about any of these conversations. And Gina and I, we get deep, we get to the heart of it. And Gina's words, it gets juicy. Um, and I really hope that there's something within this conversation that leaves you a little bit better than you were yesterday. Here we go, episode 209 with Gina Swire. Gina Swire, welcome back to the Always Festing Yesterday podcast. How are you? I am wonderful. I'm buzzing for this. September 2019 was the first time you joined us. I can't believe wow. how that time is, has flown. I'd love to catch up on all things in between. I know that when we last spoke, you were talking about the book as a idea, as a creation. And now I have the physical manifestation of that so I'm looking forward to diving into that but one of the things you say at the very start and I'd love to get your perspective on on this right away is you say that your intuition brought you here let's assume that that sentence is true for everyone listening to this right now their intuition brought them here what do you mean by that mm. Well, you know, every single thing that we do is a series of decisions, of synchronicities, of a million pieces of the universe coming together to bring you to this one particular moment right now. So if a listener is receiving this transmission right now it is likely they just had like a a little pop of inspiration like oh I should listen to Ryan's podcast oh I should listen to this specific pod podcast mm. and I honestly believe that there's a reason for all of it mm. I've I've had to learn to surrender to the fact that I may never know why like, you know, I think I started out the journey as a mindset coach, student of psychology, and some of the biggest things I've had to try and do, they're not actions, they're not things, it's actually learning how to take less control and and surrender. That That was the big thing I needed to do to be able to tap into my intuition, tap into my heart was surrender. We're probably getting into a big topic straight away, but is that is that something that's kind of featured on your journey? You are speaking my language. Surrender <laughs> is 
well, last year I had probably the biggest, deepest surrendering of my life. I thought I was pretty surrendered anyway, Mm -hmm. until this particular moment when I surrender deeper than I've ever gone before. Mm -hmm. And everything just everything has been so good to me since then. And it wasn't just one decision in one moment. It Mm. was kind of like a new code, a new way of surrendering Mm -hmm. that's taken me deeper and deeper. And every day I'm choosing it every moment. I'm in fact, I'm choosing it a million moments a day. Mm. And sometimes I'm forgetting it. And then I'm like, Oh, remember surrender. So yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a chapter in your books, trusting me, trusting you, and I can't help but just hear Alan Partridge, aha, in the back of my mind. But there's an <laughs> element where you where you link, you know, the importance of trust when it comes to self love, and and I wonder whether what you know whether that trust needs to be present first for people to learn how to surrender. What what do you think? There's a relationship there between surrender and trust. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, chicken and the egg. Is mm. there a relationship between surrender and trust? Absolutely. We, mm. I don't know if you can surrender without trusting. It is, it is trust. It's synonymous yeah. with trust. And let's see, can you, yeah. And to trust mm. includes surrender. So what's the difference? Mm. I, uh, the way I see it, you know, cause we talked a little bit about my daughter on the, on the show last time. She's seven now. And I, I imagine oh. like her being on a platform, me having my hands out saying jump. She can surrender to that instruction, knowing that she trusts me to catch her. Mm-hmm. But it's it's still a leap of faith. It's still mm-hmm. a belief in the unseen because she hasn't seen that moment of me catching her yet. And, and I guess that the way I'm thinking about it as we're speaking is that, that in, in that surrender, I'm trusting whether it be God, whether it be universe, Gaia, that I'm going to be caught. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's almost like you have the foresight to know that you're going to catch your daughter because mm-hmm. you've seen that before. You've done that before. You've got that kind of foresight. So it's almost like because of your absolute certainty, mm-hmm. she gets to trust you and you co-create that magical catch Mm. which is essentially what the universe is doing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's it's a co-creation of absolute certainty that the universe is going to catch you Mm. and you can surrender and trust in that and then you catch yeah love that I love that (laughs) one of the um one of the guys I interviewed um recently is a parenting expert and he says that um you know, for parents as a reminder is that they, that they shouldn't have to earn your love but they should be able to rest in your love and I was on the dog walk this morning knowing that I was going to be talking to you today I was like that's the same for ourselves that's exactly the same for you know when it comes to self-love you know your book P.S. I love me 12 steps for a self-love transformation it's not you know the one issue I have with the self-love narrative not yours but the one of oh you just have to love yourself why do people think if they've only ever experienced a conditional earthly type of love Mm. that they wouldn't apply the same level of conditions to themselves Mm. i find that fascinating and 
yeah, let's get into your book. You talk about Dark Knight of the Soul, and, and that's where the, the name of the book emerged from. Tell us that story. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I haven't told this story for a while, and I actually told this story last night. I was with a bunch of people, and they were asking me about the name of the book. And yeah, I really got to see like again just how magical that was for me and now when people read the book and they read the story of how I got the name they often message me and they're like oh my god (laughs) so I was in a dark night of the soul I was it was my first real dark night of the soul so I'd woken up I'd had a few years of just like wow I love myself. I love like feeling love, like on this such a deep level. And then after a few years, it was like, I lost it. I was looking in the mirror and I was seeing a fat, ugly, disgusting Mm. creature. And I was like, what? I've Mm. been teaching this, you know, I've been writing a book about it. And it's almost like the book was testing me and my situations had changed and astrology had probably changed and you know everything changes and I was struggling I was actually in bed I was like sick but not with anything it was just like this sickness of the mind it took me down dark deep like dirty and I was like holy shit I really isolated myself I didn't really tell anyone I I was trying to like get support but I didn't know how and it just I just didn't know what was happening I was Mm. like oh my god I'm losing it Mm. and in that p in that period I was during I was in this book writing course and part of that was I was to go down to London and meet the publishers Mm -hmm. so I went on the train and it took me every bit of energy to get dressed and get on the train I hadn't left my house in like a few weeks I got on the train and I was like, angels, this is it. Please help me. Like, give me anything you've got. And I, I, I got into this little channel mode and I was on the train from Manchester to London and I started writing and I got all the information for this meeting, mm. um, that I was supposed to have done. So I rock up at the meeting. It was a boiling hot day. I thought I was going to be late. Every train messed up, like everything went wrong. And I arrived and my agent met me and she was like, where have you been? I was like, in a dark night of the soul, don't ask. And she's like, are you prepared? And I'm like, yeah. And I looked down and I, I, I'd left my journal on the train Mm. and I was just smashed, devastated. Mm. Oh my God. What? I'm, I'm, that's it. I'm toast. And, um, I was like, okay, angels, please do whatever you can right now. And as the, as I asked for that, I immediately got this download and it was, it was like, it was synonymous, like PS, I love you. And PS, I love me was shown to me all at the same time. And I was like, genius, that's it. I just knew. And then I went and did the meeting. They immediately picked up the book. They were like, we want this book. This Mm. title is it. It's so unique and it's such a wordplay. And yeah, I was like, I was buzzing. I got on the train and I was speaking to my friend and she's like, Gina, do you know what this means? And I was like, yeah, I got my title. And um, the the beauty of this story is that my dad, Mm. who passed away, a while back he he's my main angel and his initials are ps for peter swire Mm -hmm. so i was like oh there we go 
my angel <laughs> came through <laughs> that's so powerful hey my friends thank you for being with us so far i hope you're enjoying the interview i just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about our signature heart print coaching our heart print coaching is for you if you're ready to go all in on becoming a heart-centered leader ready to go all in on doing more of what you love ready to see what you are capable of with support guidance and accountability you're ready to go on a rapid transformational journey that will change your life and others in as little as three months are you ready to show up with courage and share your gift with the world ready to start making an income and more impact by doing what you love ready to start leaving your legacy where those around you are left better than yesterday in our heart print signature coaching in our time together i'll help you lead from your heart set i'll help you develop other people and your team i'll help you bring your heart work to the world i'll help you start leaving a legacy and capturing examples of your impact i will help you be someone you love to do more of what you love and to serve people that you love it's an amazing opportunity for someone who's ready to go all in and be a heart-centered leader i'll throw in loads of other bonuses including your life languages profile uh, access to our master heart and mind membership and even some always better than yesterday merchandise head to abty.co.uk forward slash coaching to find out more and i look forward to connecting with you very soon that's abty.co.uk uh, I, I was um, listening to one of your podcasts um, around the the father wound, and uh, mm. I think I think we share a, a similar one. And uh, it's interesting to hear some of the effects that that had on on you. And and last year I interviewed a, a wonderful lady called Maureen Murdoch, and Maureen wrote the book The Heroine's Journey, which is you know mm. whether you heard of the Hero's Journey by Joseph Campbell or on the Archetypes. Well, she wasn't quite satisfied that the feminine was represented in that story, and and she wrote her own. And um, one of the stages of the heroine's journey is all about uh, healing the the father wound. Yeah. I guess how mm-hmm. how I'm sorry that we've le- leapt to the point of inspiration from father, but I I know that there were some challenges that were presented within your within your life, and I guess how how is how was that manifest for you in the in your early days growing up in terms of some of that um, mm-hmm. early early wound. Yeah. So my dad was, was present inverted commas until I was eight. So he was physically there, but whether he was emotionally there, actually, you know, he ran a a lot of businesses. He was also having affairs. Mm -hmm. He was probably energetically all over the place. And, um, yeah. And then when I was eight, he, he left our family and had a family with another woman Mm. and I think that I made a contract with myself that I'll never ever let a man do that to me Mm. Uh, and I became the father Mm. in our family so it was almost like my my mom was the wife and I was the husband Mm-hmm. And so I became very independent. I be, I got a very strong masculine. Mm-hmm. I started to earn my own money at like 10 years old. I had my own babysitting enterprise business, my first enterprise at like 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just, I just took it on myself that I'm going to be the provider. I'm going to earn, I'm going to be the safety, you know, all of that. And it mm-hmm. has really served me in a lot of ways 
And now I'm really unwinding that. Like this Mm. year, my word of the year is being, well, it's providership in terms Mm. of receiving providership, which Mm. is my toes are curled as I said, say that, (laughs) right? And I'm like, danger. (laughs) Yeah. Surrender. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, but, you know, I, I, yeah, that willingness to, to receive and to rest in. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't want to jump too far into the, um, the benefits or the outcomes of self-love and how that then leaps over into someone in relationship. We'll get to that bit at the end. I'd, I'd, I'd like to kind of take people through a journey around, around self-love. And I think people have the toe curling feeling, when you say self-love too, I think many people have conditioned themselves out of believing that they're worthy. And I think, you know, you hit him, hit them straight chapter one, that it's got nothing to do with worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause we're all inherently worthy. You know, we're born worthy. We never say to a baby, prove yourself. Right. It's like, no, you're just like a wonderful, innocent, like fresh soul on this planet that can have every you want that child to have everything same with a granddad you know you meet like a 90 year old man and you're not like okay prove to me that you're good enough to deserve love you know Mm -hmm. just not going to do that and yet there's this section in the middle where apparently everyone's trying to prove to someone that they're worthy of love or prove to themselves and it's it's actually just not the truth because mm. worthiness can never be attached to anything that can change. Right. Let's go. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> the, yeah, because um, one of the for people that that haven't listened to the first time you're on, you have a um, a career in in modeling. Mm-hmm. And I think so often of the world in general, not just the the beauty fashion industry is is all around um, appealing to people's lack. By creating demand for their services, they have to make us feel like we lack something in some way. Yeah. And um, I don't think people realize it from the very moment they open their eyes. Any marketing, any TV, any adverts, it's always, hey, you don't have this thing. Mm-hmm. So we get conditioned. Yeah. We, we, we're led to believe we everything's outside of us. We don't have it already. Mm-hmm. sometimes it's about unlearning that the world has taught us that we are without worth absolutely and that's honestly i when i quit modeling that was why because it, all of a sudden i mean i was going down the yogic path i was becoming i was an eco warrior i was like <laughs> earth let's live off the land and it just was a direct opposite from the industry i was in which yeah. was all you know fabrics being made in China and mass producing and not just that but the actual bit the the straw that broke the camel's back was that I was fronting these campaigns that would sell garments that weren't the garment I was wearing wouldn't be the garment they were selling anyway it would be a different material it was completely pinned and you know the shape was altered the photoshopping the whole team everything Mm. and you know, it didn't even look good on me, but I could make it look good. But then I'm I'm selling this to people mm-hmm. who are putting this on credit and, you know, they don't feel worthy. So they're mm-hmm. over shopping, which I used to do as well. 
they're just like, get me all of this external, Mm. basically fabric that can hide me, can shift the way I feel, can like change the way I look and hopefully make me feel good for two minutes Mm. and put it all on credit and take themselves, you know, into dark places. And I was just like, I can't be part of this. I'm Mm. done. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, That was it. Yeah. You, did you use the word temporary or touching selves to the, the temporary? Yeah. I am. Um, I'm reading the gospel of Mary, which is not your mainstream type of book. And in it, Mary ac- accounts that Jesus said to her that um, the problem with most people, he doesn't say it like that. He says that people have an attachment um, to matter. And that in itself is a passion against nature. A passion in those days used to mean suffering. And what I think he was saying is that we are suffering because we are attaching ourselves to people, places, possessions, which is against the true nature, which is like what you said, it is all impermanent. Mm-hmm. And I think honestly, that is why since I, I mean, I've always been um, a free soul, you know, I, all through my modeling career, I was always in different countries. I just loved it. And since I left, like even last year I was in 12 different countries Mm -hmm. and different homes. And, you know, I kind of have very few clothes with me and then I have different friends, friends in different places. Mm -hmm. And I have different looks in different countries and, you know, everything's so fluid. Mm -hmm. And I find that most people, especially in my family, not in my friendship circle, because I usually tend to flock towards Mm -hmm. those type of Mm -hmm. people. And yet so many people are just in one place. And so I'm like, how are they doing that? Like, how have I ended up in this very, I'm like a shapeshifter. (laughs) And then I speak to friends and they're like, yeah, I'm just in one place. And I'm like, how are you doing this? You know, I just find it fascinating that we can be so different Mm -hmm. and it's not that people that are in one place Mm -hmm. aren't flowing in that space, you know, Mm -hmm. and changing and shifting and growing. I just, I'm just, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. I think one of the things that I've, you know, through speaking with, with many, many people is, is that the energy goes either in or it goes out. And what I mean by that is that many people who don't feel like they belong within themselves that, you know, the, use the words in your book, I am home. If people don't feel like they are home, they seek it in the world. And then they try and adapt and, and almost everything external to them becomes the definition of who they are. And therefore, they never feel like they belong anywhere because they're too busy trying to fit in. And I think the opposite then is, well, I already feel like home. I take myself wherever I am. And therefore, whatever I do on the outside simply serves as an expression of who I want to be in that moment. Mm. That was that was a piece of art. Love that. Yeah. But but what what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I feel that until I awoke, we'll we'll call it when I when yeah. before pre awakening, I was definitely like traveling to be busy, to normal, to, you know, avoid things. You know, I, I would have these different relationships mm. and maybe I would be in a relationship and then it wasn't going well. And I'm like, I'm off to New York. See ya. Mm. And then I get into another relationship. So I definitely feel 
in my own journey that I was using travel and moving as numbing and escapism. And then when I woke up and I firmly landed Mm. in my body, in myself, now, like you say, home is just wherever I am. Like I'm home in my body all the time. So when people say, where do you live? I'm like here in my body (laughs) and 10 other countries, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah. Interesting. 12 steps for a self-love transformation. Give us a level overview. It's so interesting because since we spoke, I've been on rather a transformation myself. (laughs) But that's the (laughs) irony, right? That's the irony. Like we're, we're always, we're always going on that path, always on that journey of unfolding. Exactly. Yeah. And about four months ago, I went on a retreat in Austin where I am now. And it's called International School of Temple Arts. Mm-hmm. And it it shifted me 10,000 gears into like a, a new way of being. Mm-hmm. And last night I was with some friends from there. And one of, one of the facilitators was sharing that of 8,000 people that have gone through this course, he's like, I can remember word for word your closing share, which was something along the lines of I've literally written a book about self-love, but I've only just got it this week, exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like I wrote the book and I'm still growing into it. I'm Mm -hmm. still learning it. I'm still getting it. And sometimes when I reread it and the 12 steps are it, you know, Mm -hmm. when I look back, I'm like, wait, I knew that four years ago but I don't I didn't know it now and yeah. it's so fascinating it's just the gift that keeps on giving to me yeah. you know yeah but even in your book you said in your early days you were bored by this linear idea so the fact that things aren't linear it shouldn't be any surprise <laughs> to you <laughs> yeah so um when I talk about the tw- so my my entire business the 12 steps my book my podcast all my courses, mm-hmm. most of my courses are all about self-love, as you know, mm-hmm. as we're talking about today. And the 12 steps specifically is my original, I call them the self-love codes from when I woke up. And to give you, yeah, to give you a high level over, overview, it's a, a, immediately a lot of clearing at the start. Mm-hmm. It's forgiving mm-hmm. yourself. It's letting go. It's basically surrendering. I actually don't mm-hmm. really use that word at that point. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's clearing things that don't serve. And then in the middle, we come into kind of like self-talk and how we look at the body and how we look at our life and how mm-hmm. we see ourselves. And then as the steps continue, we go more into like manifestation and mm-hmm. the future and our passion and our purpose. And now we've shifted a lot of this. What are we here to do? Like, you know, because a lot of us, a lot of women that I work with are doing something that they're not here to do. And they know that Mm -hmm. and they're miserable and they're just like out of alignment. And they're these magical creatures who long for this life of of service, of like Mm -hmm. really serving their passion and really serving other people. And the 12 steps takes them into that. So where do you think they're waiting for permission from? 
Well, ultimately themselves. Mm. Well, ultimately God, which is mm. themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I give them a permission slip in that to give mm. themselves a permission slip. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of a mixture. So I think they buy into that I'm going to give them the permission slip at that yeah. stage. Mm-hmm. But I'm actually not. I'm just going to direct them to pick up their own one. Yeah. 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 It's like taking off the handbrake, isn't it? I um I was invited to do a talk in a in a women's network yesterday, and the title I well the 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 the, the summit was all about permission and and talking about leadership. My title was permission to lead. And being a nerd, mm. I went straight to Google, looked at the definitions, and you know the, the definition of, of permission is, as you would expect, is to allow something. Then I kept digging, and then the root of the word permit was to make things possible. And I'm mm. like, right, that is where we're going. Forget waiting for someone to allow you. Just go and make things possible. Ooh, juicy. I love yeah. that. Mm. Yeah. I am... Um, it's the real so i think that in in a lot of the worlds that we operate in um particularly in the the coaching manifestation circles a lot of it is around pursue what you desire and there's a lot of talk about desire and i i wince a little bit i'm slightly hesitant because i think there has to be a filter Mm. to desire because mm-hmm. as Sadhguru says, if we're pursuing anything, it first reveals its absence. Mm. So if we're desiring stuff, yes, I, I understand the, the, the focus and the, the energy that that might bring to me wanting to show up for that. But it, the first thing it does is it reveals that I am not that or I don't have Absolutely. that. What's your perspective on the use of desire? Mm. This is a big one. And honestly, this is where my huge surrendering came in last year Mm -hmm. because I had been in this kind of portal. So in 2021, at the end of 2021, I got got COVID really bad and I had Mm -hmm. a breakup. Mm -hmm. And not just did I have like COVID, but I then went into... Um, I guess another dark night of the soul mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, went very like had a lot of like weird mental things. And yeah. actually now when I look back, I think I had a dark entity wow. um, attached to me because mm-hmm. it was like I'd, my thoughts were not my own. Mm-hmm. I was having thoughts that I've never even heard mm-hmm. myself think before. And they were so dark mm-hmm. and miserable and like suicidal. And like, Mm -hmm. I even thought my mom was trying to kill me at some Mm -hmm. point. Like it was miserable. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to kind of come out of that um, and recover from it. And so when I did, I was very much like into all my practices Every everything I was doing was self-care. Basically, I was on this self-care mission. It really worked and I came back to it and I was manifesting like crazy and I got kind of stuck in this way of like how life has to look. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm not available for anything except this. Mm -hmm. And it was this whole new way of like being. And this included 
um, I wanted this new relationship that had to be like this specific feeling. And I wanted this um, like new home that had this specific, like everything was about the feeling, which mm-hmm. in manifestation is the way to go. And yet nothing, like nothing was reaching that feeling. So I was like, mm-hmm. no, no, no. And I was just in all of this no energy. Mm-hmm. I was just saying no for like half a year mm-hmm. and I was like kind of I was like oh my god I feel like I'm losing my touch like mm. I feel like I'm just I'm not really manifesting I feel like I'm not really magnetic which is my superpowers yeah. and I was like what what is going on mm. I was in this like confusion and mm. basically lack in lack I was in no energy I was in lack I was just seeing everything I didn't have thinking I'd mm. lose lost the mm. plot And then the surrendering came one day in just a very simple meditation. I was in LA with my friend and we're like, let's meditate. So we sit down, we're meditating. And I I got this like horrible, like dark, like feeling. And I've Mm. been feeling so good. And I was like, don't really want to go into this, but I guess I'm available. So I went into it. And as I just let myself feel it, I was shown I can either keep up with this, like, um, I guess like super high standards Mm -hmm. and then be in lack, or I can surrender it all, Mm -hmm. know that God has my order Mm -hmm. and surrender the attachment Mm -hmm. to the outcome. And then in doing that, I just get to enjoy, excuse me, I just get to enjoy the gifts of life mm. and what I surrendered that day was so painful and hard to do. I surrendered ever being in love again. Mm-hmm. I surrendered ever being married, ever being a mother, mm-hmm. ever making my millions ever mm-hmm. like all the things on my vision board. I basically just, I was like, you know what, if I never get any of that, mm-hmm. can I be fully here present mm-hmm. in this moment with what I have? And I was like, fuck yeah like mm-hmm. my life is fucking awesome mm-hmm. yeah I I like claimed my own presence yeah. and I guess it it takes us back to the power of now which was one mm-hmm. of my OG books like mm-hmm. 10 million lifetimes ago and takes me back to my yogic days and yeah. you know very simple presence practices and that mm. for me has been the surrender and it's not the I don't want those things, mm. but if I never yeah. get them, so it is. And then guess what? Guess what? Guess what happened that week, Ryan? Yeah. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> Every, everything that I hadn't been manifesting manifested yeah. in like one week. It yeah. was like the universe had backdated yeah. these things. So immediately having not, I'd not even been asked on a date in six months. Mm. That week after I had this huge surrendering, I went on nine dates and I didn't ask for any of them. Like the universe was like here. And some of them, even just to like really illustrate this point, a guy that I'd met three months before, we'd not even spoken Mm. that week was like, I met you at Burning Man and I just couldn't take my eyes off you. And I'd love to take you out. And I'm like, 
what like why didn't you say that three months ago but it's like I had to be in this surrendered frequency to be a match to these things you know Uh, you know it's it feels I guess passive you know everything feels like I need to proactively do something and 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 I struggle with that um, walking that paradox of of surrender plus action but one mm-hmm. of the best examples I've heard of it, and you know, you mentioned the fact that God is, you know, self, self and God. I um I was watching a documentary on Gaia the other day, I think it was called The Moses Code. And it was talking about how um when Moses was just having a chat with God, who's just this burning bush, and God says, You're gonna be the leader, you're gonna pull everyone out. And and he's like, What me? No chance. Like, I can't do that. And then but what it kind of concludes is that whether that Moses felt worthy enough or not, what he was, was willing. And in his willingness, he surrendered his ego and allowed the full expression of God to manifest through him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That feels very accurate to what yeah. happened to me. That's right. Yeah. Accurate. It's like, Gina, stick your ego over there. I'll work through you. And and I guess this is where it comes to trust. Whatever is meant for you shall not pass. Exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm just really reliving that moment right now. And just the freedom that mm. comes in the presence. Hmm. And getting to, yeah, just getting to trust. This was the big thing for me that like I can, I can hook think like I can find things I can hook things I can claim things I can manifest things I can magnetize things yeah but yeah the universal power has the has the master plan you know and has the power to bring something that I don't even know I want yet you know I don't even have the capacity to know it's there but let's take that example you meet him at Burning Man several months before so that magnetism wasn't made possible until you were on that frequency. And I guess mm-hmm. what that means is that your manifestation or anyone's manifestation is not bound by um, time and space, meaning mm-hmm. it is not out there away from me and in the future. Because as soon as you were on the right frequency, you manifested through who you were being in this very moment. Absolutely. And this is this is key in manifestation because yeah. I remember in my early days of manifestation when I was a new model and I was like, right, I'm going to manifest getting signed in New York. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, didn't have, I didn't have actually like the, the experience yet, but I was like, well, manifestation doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter with experience. I'm going to manifest it. And I went to New York and I had the meeting and I just flunked it. They didn't Mm. sign me. And I was like, ah, maybe manifestation doesn't work. But I was still like, Mm. "Hmm." yeah. And then anyway, I went traveling in South America. And when I came back, I, I had this feeling. I was like. Oh, I was on a very different frequency, having Mm. traveled in South America. I was kind of in this fuck it. Mm -hmm. Let's just do this year of modeling. Like, let's just see. Let's just take, let's just go big and see what happens. Mm. 
And I got a meeting immediately. My agent was like, you need to be back tomorrow. We've got a very important meeting for you. So I, I fly in straight from the plane. I go into the London office and it's the same agent from New York. And I'm like, I met these ones and they said no, but I think they're going to say yes this time. And I meet them and they they asked to meet me and they signed me on the spot. Mm. And it just shows like I'd shifted my frequency to be a match to that mm. and immediately got signed for the thing I wanted. It just happened to be a year later. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really powerful. You know, I think a, a number of the things that we've talked upon are, are on, you know, some of the uh, the 12, uh, 12 steps. And I guess one of the things that you do in your book really well is you've got pages for reflection, activities, some hacks and some tips. Um, on this one specifically, you know, raising that frequency, raising that vibration, what are your kind of go-tos for, you, for yourself? Mm-hmm. Well, simple things. Yeah. Working out, sleeping really well, nutrition. Yeah. Honestly, like they're the they're my old school biggest saboteur pattern. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm when I'm wanting to manifest something big or I can feel it getting close, I used to sabotage myself with those. Um and just mm-hmm. start doing stupid stuff. So that's the big one for Late keeping night the parties high. by the sounds of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. Uh, well, again, all these things are pretty simple. Gratitude. If you're looking to be in manifestation energy, just mm-hmm. amp up your gratitude practice. And the frequency of joy is yeah. my favorite thing. So for me personally, if I want to manifest, like if I'm in a launch, I'm not like, uh, you know, what can I do? What can I do? I'm out in the world telling people about my joy of serving people and then guess what you know but I was in an uber the other day and the uber driver joined one of my courses because I was just like I was doing a story on my phone about my course and she's like can I can I ask about this and I'm like absolutely it's like there you go the joy frequency I agree with that I agree with that. And I think one of the things from a intellect driven world is that people go, okay, right. I'll write my gratitudes. If I have to, I'm writing these five things down. I'm looking around. Okay. I guess I might put my house. I might put my food and I ought mm. to put this. And I, I guess I should put that. And, and it's like, the, uh, exactly. Cause even like the bit in you talk in your book around the self, uh, the self-talk is supposed to be felt. Mm-hmm. That gratitude list is better felt than it is Mm -hmm. intellectually listed absolutely absolutely yeah so as i'm doing gratitude or manifestation or any of these practices i'm Um, like oh where do i feel that in my body oh what does that feel like and often it feels like i can feel it right now i can feel like just champagne bubbles going up and down my body and it's like woo, and that's manifestation energy you know it's also it's also the same energy we cultivate cultivate to become multi-orgasmic or mm-hmm. like a multi-millionaire to all of these things. It's cultivating that energy and the energetics of what you want now in your body mm-hmm. and you're a match to it. Mm, for what you've just said, where do people go on your website to get more of that? More orgasms. More, Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. What, 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 be, what are they signing up for? What, what, Where do we what? sign up to that? Uh, well, I do have a course called Multi-Orgasmic AF, and yeah. that is for women who want to basically learn about holding the energy of an mm. orgasmic life. Mm. And it is, it's my, honestly, this is what I'm talking about. So my, my business used to be very much about self-love and it still is. And yeah, I teach now self-love through orgasm and through mm. money energetics and mm. through plant mm. medicine. And I use these kind of different techniques. So it's like, it's like self-love's older sister. Mm. That's how it feels. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. How do we, um, how do we, you and I, I think the byproduct of the work that we do is we leave people better for life. You know, we'll, we'll leave them better. They'll go off and impact. So I said something yesterday that says the true beneficiaries of our work are not our clients. It's mm. everybody who interacts with our clients. Like yeah. you, these women are going to come and have orgasmic experiences. They're probably going to go back better for everybody that they serve, whether that be their family, their friends, their business, their community. How do we keep self-love and the purity of it and, and try and avoid just a, a following of self-centered people? It's mm. a good question. Well, honestly, I don't attract self-centered people mm -hmm. because self-centered people are not really trying to do this work you know right. self-centered people if they try and if they try to just get the result they mm. just don't want to do the work mm -hmm. and they just fall out very quickly so it doesn't really happen like i think it's the the transmission the frequency that we put out mm. is very is a match to people who are very heart-centered mm -hmm. and yeah so even if people do come in and think this is a quick fix they immediately see like oh actually no this feels really good when i do this and then they're like oh maybe there's more <laughs> and honestly that was what happened to me i yeah. didn't start personal development to do this work i had no idea what i was doing i just wanted to look good honestly it was for those reasons i was a narcissist back then i just i just wanted to be better than everyone i wanted to be the best model i wanted to be the best i wanted to beat the com competition mm. and then i stumbled across all of this and i was like oh actually this is it this is better so mm. i guess i was like self-centered and self self selfish back mm. then and mm. i didn't really know any better and also obviously that's not our true state that's that comes yeah. from a lot of fear and pain mm. and once i unwound that i found all of this yeah so i um i ran a men's group for the first time um but at the back end of last year and, and one of the so it was, it was a group for fathers and um, in wow. one of the weeks, it was all about how we could become better teammates, better for our partners. And um, and this is this is, I think, without skirting around, I think love looks and feels differently to men and women. I think there is a difference. Um, and I think that when a man feels love for who he is, he will naturally want to improve himself. Uh, so often, women might want to try and change a man because they can see his potential. 
but it's in that loving him who he is. There's something that says about men don't fear being changed. They fear being unloved. Mm. And being changed feels unloving because it feels unaccepting of, of who they are in that moment. But mm-hmm. we had this we had this session and it was all about, OK, right. How do we as men understand our own needs, our own va- uh, values and our needs? So we, we went through a journey of self-discovery, self-awareness so that we could communicate that better to our partners. But I resisted the, hey, here's now your playbook to go and tell your partner all that what you want. I said, before you share any of that, go and ask her hers. Go and ask her how what makes her feel loved. Go and ask her what um, makes her feel stressed. Go and ask her, how can I help you when you feel stressed? Go with the heart of serving. And then you might then gain the opportunity to share how she might serve you in return. But we're never going to do the work and then go, hey, here's all my needs. And this is how I now need you to serve me. And I guess that's where my question came from is the self-centered. I've now learned about my needs and I need you to meet them. Mm, mm. Wow. Well, firstly, I want to acknowledge you for this amazing, powerful work that you're doing with dads. Thank you. I love that. It feels so good to know that people are out there doing that powerful work and supporting men in that way. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. Yeah, they loved it. <laughs> they loved it. And do you know what? Some of the feedback after week one is men don't talk like this. Men don't have mm-hmm. spaces like this. And, it, you know, I've been running groups for a long time. You came and spoke to my group a couple of yeah. years back. You know that the majority of them are women. The conversations look and feel very different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for any man that's listening that is thinking about getting involved in some form of conversation, it ain't always sitting around talking about your feelings. (laughs) Sometimes it's just listening to a brother and hearing his challenges and supporting him in his uh, in his conquest, knowing that he's not alone. Yeah, just witnessing. Yeah, yeah. Powerful, powerful stuff. Yeah, my partner he he has a one-to-one coach mm-hmm. and he's still he's like I just prefer doing it one-to-one because mm-hmm. in groups he's been in different brotherhood things he's mm-hmm. always like he doesn't he doesn't love it so I do think there's there's different yeah. you know it can be different so if if there's any men listening and they're like I, I just don't want to speak in a group then get a one-to-one coach and do it mm-hmm. one-to-one just don't just be like I'm not doing any of it ever because, mm. you know, it's talking about feelings. So, yeah, I do think there's a, a little piece there as well. But do the work, right? I think that's the that's the yeah. underlying It's do the work. And I think one of the things that I like um, at the very end of your book, there's this section called Turn Your Trauma Into Dharma. Mm-hmm. What's that all about? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever happens to us, and we all have trauma, I used to think I didn't have any trauma because I hadn't had any like of the big like headline kind of yeah, trauma yeah. things. Um, and yet then when I learned more, of course, we have all these micro traumas. And as children, we don't know the difference between like something that seems like really, mm. really out there and something that is just like being left and losing mm. your mom in the supermarket or whatever. Yeah. And so yeah, like my trauma, I guess, was that my dad left. And now that is my biggest gift because it has given me so much resilience. It's given me so much, even the fact what I, one thing that I realized is that my dad 
always craved the love of his mother. He was very mm. close to his dad, but not to his mom. And in him leaving, I got what he never had with my mom. So I got the thing that he always wanted. And he, whether it's conscious or subconscious, I'm guessing this is very subconscious. It's like mm. a reframe. He stepped out. I became, I have like an amazing bond with my mom. Mm-hmm. Like unbreak, like un unfuck with a ball bond mm-hmm. with my mom, and yeah, it it gave me that. So rather than looking at what mm-hmm. I didn't have, I turned it into my dharma, mm-hmm. as in now that's what I teach. I teach from that place. Like I doubt that I would have created everything that I've created if I didn't have this motivation of like I'll never let a man mm-hmm. provide for me because <laughs> it's helped me create all of this and now I get to like go the other way so yeah it's just a gift even though it cannot feel like a gift at the time yeah you and I share a very similar story and um you know that I love reading the acknowledgement section of books and Peter Swire PS he's the top listed one mm-hmm. there's a lot of love and admiration for the man you talk about him being a biggest cheerleader Tell me about that side of the man. Yeah. Well, even now in my business, he's, he's my mentor, even though he's been dead for like over a decade, you know, I'll just, I don't even know how it happens, but I'll just be like, what should I do here? And it's like, I can hear his voice being like, you know, this is business. Like, yes, you want to be this. Yes. You want to be that, but have you thought of it this way? And I'm like, how, how is he still telling me these things now? You know, it's like, he is me. He's in me. He's part of me. I look at my hands, my hands look like my dad's and I'm like, well, he's here, you know? Um, yeah. So I got like, also he, he was really, really a free soul, a free spirit. Mm -hmm. And he used to travel and he would do these bonkers car rally things from like man. He drove from Manchester to Bombay and Panama to Alaska and I was just a kid and I, I was fascinated then, but now I'm older. I'm like, wow, mm. who does that? You know, he, he, he was like an interesting soul. And I think I, I got a lot of that from him. And if I, I just, you know, a big part of this is that I woke up when he died. Like I was with him when he died mm. and him passing woke me up. I got to see like spirit. And so I've done all this work since he passed and a lot of it, I would love to discuss with him, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, it's not my journey. Although ayahuasca, if you, I don't know, have you been there? I've heard, I'm doing a lot of listening to it. It's closer. Yeah. So I've had all these conversations through that medicine. Um, Wow. That's a whole different story. Can we talk about that experience? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What is ayahuasca for those who don't know? It is um, the leaves and vine of two different plants. Well, Uh traditionally two plants, sometimes they add in other plants. Mm -hmm. Um, It comes from, well, it grows in a bunch of countries, usually in South America. Peru is the classic. Mm-hmm. Um, it also grows in Bali now. It grows in many different places. And you drink this kind of ancient wisdom plant and it makes you trip. And it 
releases DMT in your brain, which is the same Mm -hmm. thing that releases when you're born and when you die. So Mm -hmm. that thing of like your life flashes before you, you get to see what where you went wrong and where you went right and how it was all love and it none of it meant anything and it all mm. meant everything. Mm. You get to see that, but now. Mm. And this plan is said to have like all of this wisdom. And I I I agree. So when you drink it, it can sort of take you back to a moment in time that maybe I didn't even think was important. Mm-hmm. And it will show me it either through picture through feeling, through words, through sensation. It's weird. You just kind of see it in lots of different ways. And it can completely like heal and change the trajectory of your life. Mm. Um, It's fascinating, fascinating stuff. And each ayahuasca journey, and I've been there a lot, like probably Mm -hmm. 20 journeys, Mm -hmm. every single one's different. Mm -hmm. They all activate different things within you. Yeah, it's How it's a whole world. Um, Earthly between, time. <laughs> whew, six million lifetimes. Yeah. Um, between four and ten hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's really quite incredible. And if if people are called that are listening, um, I don't rec I don't recommend this to anyone. You know, mm. it is if you feel really yeah. called to this, mm. um, do your research, use your discernment, you know, mm. do it somewhere legal. Um, yeah. And just, you know, meet the people, you really use your intuition. The first time I did it was seven years after I heard about it. Mm-hmm. So I'd been hearing about it and I was like, I'm interested, but it's not right. And then immediately it was right and i think i did it like the next day mm-hmm. i just mm-hmm. knew yeah mm-hmm. great caveats i have a word here i always bet yesterday it's called heart print and it kind of stems from my time at the police where we used to teach detectives the lockhards exchange principle it's this idea that every contact leaves a trace so they would train the detectives go think about fingerprints where might someone where might the offender have left of something of themselves at the scene And I think we need to teach leaders that principle because every contact leaves a trace. We leave people better Mm. or worse. We leave, do we leave people better than, than we found them? And the, the spirit of the word heart print for me is possibility. And you always come back to this sense with self-love. Anything is possible. Gina, you've helped thousands and thousands of, of people you're going to go on to help thousands and thousands of people, a billion people in your lifetime. What do you think your heart print will be? Mm. Oof, it's a big question. Let's see. Mm. Well, I'm as as you're asking me that, I'm seeing like ripples and I'm seeing schools changing and I'm seeing people's mindsets changing. I'm seeing what they see in the mirror changing. I'm seeing kind of like an upward spiral and a downward spiral. And where we were going was this downward spiral of like 
like like I explained at the start, you know, mm-hmm. the the woman at home feeling shitty, going on ASOS and buying the clothes and spending all the money and going into depression and feeling low and it not really working and why mm-hmm. confusion. Oh, mm. and then the opposite, which is what I, my essence, what I teach, what I impart, is the opposite. It's like. And you as well, you know, what we do, all the practices, all the gratitudes, all it's all taking us higher and it's connecting us and it's heart-centered and it's passion, it's purpose, it's possibility, it's mm. it's living an orgasmic life, it's using these sacred plants in the most incredible, legal, amazing way and moving up into a whole new way of being and self-love some people think is selfish, but ultimately I think it's like a macroeconomic hack. It's, it's, it's the answer. It's what we need to move into this new way. And if everyone takes responsibility, we will be that we already are it, you know? And it's like, keeps on giving. Which do we want? We get to choose in ourselves. And because we are God, because we are the globe, and when you drink ayahuasca, it will show you <laughs> the entirety. If if you go there with this psychedelics, you get to see how we are the creator of our own universe. And so if we create heaven on earth inside of us, we are that already. And if everyone does that, we're it, you know, mm. it's amazing. I love that. Thank you for coming back on the show. I'd love it if you leave us a final thought from your good self. Mm. A final thought. Let's see what wants to be spoken. Hmm. Okay. So I believe that humans are addicted to low level thoughts, the lower chakras, misery, pain, guilt, fear, just lack, whatever. And the antidote to that is joy. Joy is the frequency of the heart. Anytime we enjoy something, we really let ourselves enjoy it. We go look for joy. We put a joyful song on. We dance with a kid. We get a puppy. I know you've got a puppy as well. We just give ourselves joyful things. Like even my pink nails, I'm like, this is so joyful for me right now. Go be joy. And that is the antidote. And that is self-love. Love that. I can continue talking to you for another half an hour, but I'm not going to do that. We'll have to do it again (laughs) in the future. Gina, appreciate you. GinaSwire.com, coaching, retreats, book, podcast, all the good stuff, all in the show Mm -hmm. notes. Until next time, my friend, thank you. Thank you so much, Ryan. You're amazing. Hey, my friends, thank you for making it to the end. I hope that our time spent together today has left you a little bit better than before you push play. I'd really appreciate if you just took a moment to leave a review to allow me to meet more people where they are and hopefully leave them a little bit better too. If you're curious to know how I, through Always Better Than Yesterday, can serve you, your team, your organisation, then head to alwaysbetterthanyesterday.com to connect. And while you're there, let me know one or two things that you're going to do as a result of listening to this conversation. I absolutely love hearing your thoughts, your reflections, and the things that this spark in your own heart and mind. If you want more insights from my heart and mind, I do send out short episodes on a Monday, Tuesday, 
Thursday and Friday. And again, I hope that they serve you well. I appreciate you listening. I'm Ryan Hartley, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, a podcast for heart-centered leaders just like you.